0: Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this latest video. There is no epiglutia, only puns, taken from the website Royal Road. The link to the story will be down below. If you wish to support the author, please head over there and give them support. If you wish to support the channel, there are numerous ways to do so down below. There is Discord, merch, Patreon, bunch of other stuff too. So have a look in the description, you might be surprised. Anyways, now on to the fiction. As always, I hope that you enjoy. A quick thank you to the T5 peeps Bob the Dragon, Data Magnet, Cat Crab Lobster, Dark Machine, Astrea the Dreamer, Mesek, Feudic Yol, and Caspar Arnholtz. Thank you very much. Chapter 143 Something Fishy. They stared at a lone obstacle, keeping them from leaving the Fish Gut Special Event Room. It was a bone like structure rising up from the floor lining curling outwards until it formed a spreading instrument of sorts. A flowing inscription on the top of the thing gave them a hint. Some say speak friend to enter, but we aren't friends and I find you all annoying. Play the notes of the flesh using the keybone keyboard. Since I was kind and only put about 180 keys of variant notes, it might take a while to guess the right series of notes. Try looking around, but, you know, uh, gestures to the water, might want to hurry. New. Overworked, in turn. Did it actually just write gestures? Estelle asked aloud as she shifted in the water and was slowly coming up the back of her feet. Estelle, Hazar, we should hack down the door and blast it open. I don't see any traps, Khan pointed out as Oz shot the man a disproving look behind his back. Hazar was going to speak, but was surprised when Estelle beat him to the punch. They don't fancy being imploded. Punching into a dungeon is fine, Khan. You connect inside to stable outside. Punching a path inside a spatial dimension space to an unstable dungeon floor. We'd be lucky to emerge as fine paste, idiot, she said with a scoff. Khan and Oz stared at the woman, so Hazar felt the need to explain on his cousin's behalf. Her magic major was separation of space and matter using barriers. She knows a lot about magic stuff he said and can't eye the flaking gold bracelet. Everyone's got one area, I suppose, he muttered. "My barriers? I was asked and everyone flinched at his use of speak. Estelle turned and looked right at the darkened hood with a dark look. I don't like people touching me, she said before adding. I can't sleep without a barrier up anymore. She muttered and stalked off to gently peer into the fleshy hole for the hidden notes. They all took time to search slowly through the slowly-filling dungeon. There didn't seem to be any monsters, but more than once, a hole in the roof opened to pour mucus down on them. They were easy to spot, and Estelle's barriers proved to be exceptional umbrellas. Before long, they had ten round stones with depictions of notes on it. "'That's still all combinations,' Hazar muttered aloud. "'The water up to his knees now. It was a little off-putting since the water was warm.' like a swamp. See, you, why, Vistel said, tapping the keys as she spoke, each press of the bow and instrument making a harrowing wheezing sound of grinding rock and mournful howling. The keyboard ran into letters, then numbers, then simple pictures of emotions. The notes they found happened to be all in letters. You all suck, Oz said abruptly, making them all turn with surprise, but they shut up as he took all the rocks and spread them out. Ooh, uh, ooh, Oz said, reading each letter with ease, stepping forward. Moving his hand out, and Estelle skittered out of reach as he weirdly shaped gloved hands. He shifted the letters one at a time until they spelt, You all suck, Hazar repeated with a groan. Could be a coincidence, Garn pointed out without any real argument to his tone. Oz turned to him. The signs, they point to this answer. He reminded, and no one could quite argue. The sign maker was quite a character. Estelle played the notes in a series and they began to sound out the tune similar to a spluttering drum being beat before lifting upwards. After a moment, the floor in the center of the room began to open, draining the water away. This was great until they saw the hole kept growing. Hazar shouted for them to retreat, but all the fleshy dolls had become so stiff as stone with thickening blood vessels. This better not be a butthole, Estelle screeched. You're all lucky, came a familiar voice, and they looked over to the instrument where Maharia the fairy rested, tapping a few keys lazily. She pressed a few. How does it go according to Delta? Tra la la la. Not quite, she said as the hole expanded. New hasn't finished with this place. He got the basic idea in place, but there's going to be a challenge rooms like Stomach Acid and Windy Lungs and. Uh, Oh, all the good stuff. Well, it's tralalalala, she muttered to herself as Khan fell into the bus below with a yell, his position the most awkward. Is this a death trap? Hazar demanded, readying himself to surrender and hoped the dungeon was true to its word of letting them go. It would not risk his and Estelle's life if it could be avoided. Maharia fluttered her wings and smiled at him. Oh, it's always a death trap, but you've only amused her so far. You aren't even worthy prey to snap the jaws of failure on. No, you're going down to the next floor. Exciting, isn't it? she said, before eyeing Estelle, who was slowly toppling over the edge, her heels turning an inch of the edge into magical platforms, cheating a little. Maharia floated over innocently. Don't you dare, you little monster! Estelle growled, but Maharia pushed her with a single finger. Ah, yes, trollal. <laughs> She said with a bright smile as Estelle vanished with a scream. Oz swam die after her without a comment. Today is a good day to die, any? Nazar told her Maharia, like it was some spell to wave all of omens off. Wrong. Today's the day you learn, and what good is knowledge to a dead man? Well, ah, unless you're me, then it's quite useful. But for you, no. You'll live because you're going to see something amazing. Maharia leaned into Hazar's footing began to slip. What? he said through gritted teeth. How amazingly outclassed you are. There was never any hope and when you understand that, I want to see you break. It'll make me feel fuzzy inside. The fairy beamed and he fell, doing his best not to yell in panic. Maharia looked down to see one of the spiders from the court peeking out from her ribcage. Falsalam, it was just a spider. No humanity left, she called down with an o city me dripping off her tongue. She swooped down in the air and dived after them. Maharia was not going to miss them meeting the bob. She had heard of this bob. Maharia had heard many, many things. Khan felt himself fall down, then in a sort of weird twisting of his perception, he was falling up before he breached the surface of some massive pool under a waterfall. He blinked, moving water out of his eyes before Estelle. The Order and Hazar followed him moments later, all splattering to a degree. He paused before climbing out in sight of something like a forest ran out before him. This forest wasn't like any Khan had seen. For one, all of the trees were wavy or bendy, with long droopy plants with odd patterns. The air was wet, but there was no swamp Colourful birds flew about, a river flowed, a big-eyed catching flowers grew everywhere. It was a weird forest, also quite warm. A stall rolled past him, encased in a barrier bubble that made her spin with a greeniest expression on her face. You alright? Carn asked, not truly concerned for the uppity woman. Seasick and motion sick, she whimpered as she rolled to dry land, popping a bubble to land in the sand completely dry. The Silver Order moved like a freak, slithering more than swimming to the shore, and it made Khan's skin crawl as he got a glimpse of the Order's silvery flesh mingled with human. Khan couldn't get those people who'd go into a dead dungeon and willingly let one of those monsters climb into their body. No, Khan couldn't get that at all. Tropical air, might be some jungle level, Hazar said as he squeezed his armor and sleeves free of the water. A jungle, a jungle, a funky forest. Khan would choose which he preferred later. What is the difference between this and a normal forest? He asked, and Estelle shot him a withering look from where she sat on one of the rocks. She clearly didn't think Khan had much thoughts in his head. He did. It just didn't involve jungles. Each stroke, venomous creatures take a sharp rise, and ten different insects could kill you at any time. Hazar offered and Khan brightened. Sounds great, he admitted. It's like you never leave cities, Estelle said mockingly as she waved her staff about, getting a confusing mist of readings back. Khan stared at her, head tilting. Why would I? Trees and rocks don't have money. Squirrels and wolves don't hire assassins. Bugs don't have safes, he said with an odd tone, that made the woman look at him for a split second in fear. But she glanced away. "'Then why are you here?' the Silver Order asked. "'Because I was paid to be here. Now I might do it for fun, now that I know this kind of thing you find in dungeons,' he admitted as he twirled his knife, flashing it down to stab something between the tall grass. His knife came back with a a tiny, squirmy creature. A little man made of fungus and carrying a spear, it withered away from the acid with the pain motion and crumbled to dust.' It, um, didn't do anything to you, the order protested, sounding disturbed and angry. Khan frowned as he bent down. Could have, might have. I don't trust anything that needs ten buddies to surround you, he commented, reading his knife as there came an angry shuffling from the bushes. Something flew from the corner of his knife and he turned, letting three tiny darts fly past. He moved with his heart pumping as a danger as more darts came for him. His allies coiled out in surprise, but Khan already found two more of the snipers and removed them as a threat before retreating. Keeping his back to the water pool, Khan ensured that he had one direction to put his back to. Something moved at his feet, and Khan moved without really thinking, sending his foot crashing down on a red crab, crushing it. Its friend stared before backing up, clicking its pincers in shock. Khan was confused. Crabs didn't feel joy, pain, love, yet this crab looked upset. The jungle went quiet. A meditating woman opened her amphibious eyes as an orange bird on her shoulder looked ahead. They're not worming the way out of that, the bird said, and the witch doctor didn't sigh at his words. Fools and death, I doubt a stronger romance exists, she agreed. Downriver, a boatman doing his 200th squat stood up with shock. My friend needs my stick to beat rude guests with. Sir Bob, I'm coming. The strong man said and began to push his boat up the river with ease. Near the hot spring, a lazy, graceful frog paused in her cleaning of the waters. Is that my problem? I could make it my problem, she mused in her beautiful kimono. She shook her head for a moment. Nope, don't care enough to walk through the jungle in heels, she announced. Deep in the most sacred of shrines to the frog people, an old sage meditated, not stirring. Not enough droppings had hit gale-force winds to rouse him yet. The tallest frog merely guarded his bridge, hand-tightening on his spear. Gone turned as all little jungle demons ran. The sun had abruptly been blocked out, and it was raining. I'm not associated with him. I, I love the little fungus men, Estal said, voice straining and high. Khan kept craning his neck. Khan, don't move! Doesn't have eyes. He could work on motion, Azar hissed at him. Khan looked up and up. You asked, Barrett, stabbing first and asking questions later. What sort of life did you expect to lead with that? The Silver Order said darkly. Khan saw that besides the water pouring over the massive worm's body from the pool, Thick liquid poured from its open maw, not from its throat, but higher up, as if it had tear ducts on the roof of its mouth. Come on, then, Con yelled, readying his knife. But, Con, you idiot, Estelle snapped her hand out, forming a weak last-minute barrier on the man as the giant monstrous worm reached down and swallowed him in rage. The barrier broke, but Karn had been in a situation like this before. Sure, it was a massive God, and not a worm, but the same principles applied when they both wanted to lift you up. He got his arm as a barrier broke, sending his blood flying. The moment it touched the worm's skin, the blood began to sizzle like acid. "'You see that? You eat me and you're gonna have a stomachache of your life!' Khan warned loudly, backing up slowly now that he'd made his statement. "'Khan!' they respond, "'You can't give them lasting wounds!' Hazar yelled. This got Card's attention. Oh, that's not fair, he said abruptly and turned to run. His allies were just behind him. I thought you said you knew the dungeon basics, even for his first. Estelle screamed as the giant worm crashed after them, departing its pool to tear down trees in anger to reach them. He said he did, Hazar yelled back. Dungeons have monsters and treasures. Khan yelled back at them. Why am I running? I've done nothing wrong, the order complained. The monstrous creature abruptly slithered in front of them, more nimble than Khan thought. He didn't fear the creatures as he found the emotion distracting. No, he was ready to eye this worm up like any other target. Vitals, organs, old wounds. He slowly spun his knife, but just as he and the worm were about to square off, had to admit, the giant monster had a slight advantage, but he was confident. They were interrupted by someone launching themselves from the ravine of the river. The massive form crashed between the group and the giant worm with a huff. Halt! In the name of my glistening biceps and the laws of Delta! The figure announced grandly as his arm snapped up and away from his head in the same direction while he buried his head into the crook of his shoulder. What now? the Estelle hissed moving away to a more open clearing in case the worm decided to chase was back on. Khan was ready to win or die because this event was thought of his fault, but he would really prefer to win. The surprise figure was a giant frog-like man who had powerful bunched muscles that rippled with every movement, showing his skin could barely contain his immense prowess. Oh my god! Estelle moaned in fear. The frogman turned, his rippling abs and confident grin on full spray. Oh, my God, this doll repeated with less terror and more interest. I am here, the newcomer announced, spinning a strange three-pronged spear about and the river to his side sloshed abruptly, as if a frog was some conductor of the water his instrument. The worm gave a shriek and the frog merely looked up with a long expression. My dear friends simply restore themselves as critters. Death is a concept that holds no true meaning for dungeon life forms, giving rise to unanswered questions about what life truly means, and if we might one day go insane from time itself. The giant frog reminded the creature before he sniffed. I bet death is like a river rafting, but like a cool Halloween event river. He muttered before the worm deflated with more of a whiny screech. The pygmies inside their own troubles, you know that. The frog went on. Then he turned to them and Khan had to admit he felt confident against the giant worm. Against this guy, something in Kahn's soul insisted that there were things that would simply break him and this close to the river, the frog would break him. The worm gave one last petulant noise. Yes, they are rude, the frog agreed as he rolled his neck, making more muscles than Kahn had in his entire body, Franks. It was Khan's fault, Estelle insisted, and he nodded in agreement. It was true, after all. Well, in that end, it doesn't really matter. Visitors who arrive by flesh and moon. I am Rail, lord of the river and the first of the second floor. Do you seek trial by combat or trial by water? The frog continued. Arms crossed. Combat means we fight. Hazar began, and Rail's smile turned far too eager. Me. As Rail said this, the river heaved, making the currents turn rapid. I find the prospect less than exciting, the Order of Silver announced quickly. Out of the others aggrieved, and Rail looked deflated. Fine fine. One day, eh uh, he winked at Estelle twirled her staff. Oh, definitely, she promised, and Hazel shot her a horrified look, which made her blink. I gotta kiss some frogs for a prince, right? she muttered. And the trees around them began to give a horrible creaks, and Khan thought he imagined the branches going for Estelle's throat, like someone was angry with her. But the effect stopped as Rail tilted his head at the tree line but said nothing. So, that leaves us with a trial of water then. Khan brought the subject back to not dying to giant worms. Sort of, um, as you came in the back way, I guess I'll explain about the challenges. If you cross the river here, you'll miss out on the potential task. But the trial is simple. Simply don't get thrown off my boat, Rale announced, clapping his webbed hands brightly, causing a hollowed-out log to rise out of the river. He's on gate. Challenges, he asked, tone tight. Oh, it's a quaint, Estelle tried to praise. The older creep was just staring into the tree line like something had caught his attention. Rale's smile widened as if he couldn't wait to explain everything. Khan looked down, and a root slithered into the underbrush as if teasing. Something or someone was enjoying the show. It seemed. No redeeming features, Wyam asked lightly, and Maharia shrugged. I said they were not of sort, she corrected, and Wyam pretended to crane her neck as if to hear better. Total annihilation, you say? The tree said softly with a saccharine sweetness. Sure, go wild. End. OF CHAPTER CHAPTER 144 dramatic FLASHBACKS UNDER THE MOON To your left you'll spot a very famous tree, Rael said brightly, pushing his long trident into the river to propel the boat along like it was Ferryman's pole.
1: This is the sixth
0: famous tree that you've pointed out, Hazar pointed out, trying to keep his tone neutral. Despite the clear power the monster radiated, His personality was a little grating to Hazar. But yes, but this one is famous for when three pygmy mushrooms did battle that lasted hours until they became friends and then swore to grow up to be adventurers. Rail promised, and Estelle scooted a little closer to his bulging arms as he pushed them down the river. That sounds magical, she fawned, making Hazar's mood drop even more. He was a giant frog, also damn attractive for Estelle. Was it the bright personality? The confidence? Hazar supposed there was a simple fact that his cousin would flirt with anything that had biceps bigger than their brain. Now, to know, another tree branch smacked into Estelle's perfectly doe-eyed face, making her yelp. Then made the fifth one so far. That's it, Estelle said, red-faced as she stood up, making the boat rock slightly. Why am I the only one being piled by these forsaken pieces of kindling? She demanded loudly. She opened her mouth and gagged when an insect flew into it. Then she was splashed by the river fish and a bird only narrowly avoided her dress with its droppings. Nature is beautiful, Kahn declared, oblivious to Estelle's suffering as Silver nodded energetically behind him. Estelle waved a hand and one of her barriers snapped into place, saving her from the spray of water. Care to join me? I have enough space for two, Estelle said, trying to go back to the suave towards rail. An almost blinding bright orange bird soared through the shield like it was paper and flapped in her face making estelle scream and wave her hands in surprise before she toppled backwards into the river and out of sight for a moment before rail fished her out hazel was now sure that azel had offended some nature spirit of some kind by flirting with rail estelle looked like a drowned cat and rail held the offending bird between two of his large fingers Inchi, these are my guests. Mind your manners, he told the bird, who didn't try to escape. My manners are perfectly fine. It's you who should work on your, um, bedside manners, the bird guffawed, and Hazar recoiled at the words. The joke so bad it made his teeth ache. Rael looked amused for a moment. Davina won't be happy you're causing trouble. Now off with you, he insisted. Oh, no kidding that she's not happy, the bird muttered and darted off somehow vanishing into the trees despite his plumage of rising sun. Hazar was about to ask what the hell was going on, but something caught his eye. The river ahead was smooth and angling, but if you ignored the sheer wonder of the jungle around them and looked ahead, his jaw dropped. The land was parting. No, it was like the river was painting itself into the land, allowing the boat to go where it pleased. The water carefully formed bends around large trees and rocks and behind them. The river was swallowed up by the ground as if it had never been there. The frogman was making a mobile river. When had they left the actual river? Rail grinned at him. The usual first task is on rotation, so Giant, a good friend, won't be able to challenge you, and I know he's asleep, so we're just taking the long way around to be polite, he explained and none of his words made any sense to him. Giant is uh, bigger than you, Estelle asked, more in actual shock than anything disgraceful. A head also, but he's bigger in heart, sweet frog, Rael said with an honest affection as they came to a stop at uh, a bathhouse. The most elegant stop. Rael waved a large arm at the place that seemed infused with mist and a soft glowing lanterns contained in an odd paper shell that made the light humble and gentle. An almost quaint sign declared this place as the Lunar Springs. Hazar sniffed, drawing in the scent of a dozen aromas he had never smelled. It was a miracle he hadn't smelled this place a mile off, but somehow it was contained to this tiny, cleared part of the jungle, where the trees were strangely thin and taller. They watched rail break one to drink the sweet-smelling nectar inside. And confused... You said tasks and trials of water? Khan asked, scratching his chin as he frowned. Rail nodded and inhaled once. The second floor's boss, the only way down, is guarded not just by a powerful force of nature, but also three impassable gates, Rail explained as he sat on his boat, bobbing up and down in the same spot. It was unnerving to see such a deep water inches from solid ground. Gates? So if we can just break them open, Azar began and Rael leaned forward with the flex of his hands. Oh, uh, you might be able to. Nothing is impossible in Delta's touch, but uh, breaking the rules means the lady breaks you, Rael said so simply and casually it abruptly brought him back into focus the fact that he was a dungeon monster. Hazor, he had forgotten that. What the hell was this place? And this spring is one of these challenges, Silver asked and Rael nodded. Indeed, however, I am but a humble ferryman. It is for the Lady of the Spring to introduce herself, he said, grinning at the misty building. Hazar didn't feel any danger in his senses, and they were usually the first to rise at the hint of trouble. He turned, searching for any possible threat. He stopped instantly when he saw a group had gone from four to five. As if conjured by the mist, there now stood a feminine, gentle-looking frog, clad in a strange, robe like dress of midnight black, embroidered with delicate pink blossoms that shimmered and danced as she moved. As she shuffled forward onto her stiletto heels, Hazark felt a cold sweat run down his spine. Should she have wished them dead, they would never have known what killed them. Welcome, most honored guests. The smaller figure said, and her strange robe-like dress was decorated with images of falling pink blossoms on a black background. When she shuffled forward on delicate-looking heels, the petals seemed to dance or shimmer with movement. Oh, uh, I Khan stuttered, looking as pale as a ghost. Hazar gave him a side eye, wondering how he wasn't spooked by the giant deathworm, but this lady freaked him out. On he hissed, and the man gestured to his waist, and Hazer looked down. No. No, 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 no. He reached to his back and found his own weapon was gone. Fret not, weary travelers. I placed your lovely instruments of magic and death on the table just yonder. I will treat them with loving oils and the best care. The frog bowed once more before turning to Rel, who looked proud. As if a big brother witnessed his little siblings' first scare tactic on his squishy humans. They'll be absorbed, Estelle protested, and the frog merely smiled. I give my word. Is that not enough? she asked, the question like a keen dagger bared from its sheath. Carr moved closer and leaned in. How uh, did you take all my daggers? One of those was in an awkward place, he said, more conversational than upset. Hazel blinked. The man only had one dagger. On the table where the frog lady gestured, six smaller daggers surrounded Khan's larger dagger. As a carer of the springs, my touch is uh, undeniable, she said before bowing once more. I am Luna, fourth of the second floor and one of the chosen key guardians. I welcome you all to my springs. Please don't make a mess, she asked and turned with a smile her dress giving off the illusion that she was hiding nothing on her body. "'I've seen some shoddy bathhouses in my time. We're not going to be felt up or robbed while we get some palm massages, are we?' Estelle asked and Luna paused, back turned to them. "'If I wished to feel you up, I could just go caress Sir Bacon on the first floor. It would be much the same feeling, but Sir Bacon is of much more agreeable temperament.' Luna commanded airily before walking into the mist. Luna, i leave them in your capable hands, Rael said, hand over his mouth as the rest of him shared a confused look. Sir Bacon, was that a monster on the first floor? After a moment, they followed Luna to the center of the springs where open pools of water steamed, fire crystals heating the water. Such pure, flawless fire crystals heating a bathtub This dungeon was either woefully ignorant of their treasure or smugly rich. Luna walked to the central platform and spread her arms before she spoke. Normally, these springs would be a haven for long, weary travelers who might have raptured organs, smashed bones, bleeding veins, popped eyeballs, she listed, sounding more excited by the possibilities as she went on. An exploding heart is neat, Kahn agreed as Luna listed more gruesome injuries. But as challenges, the springs will serve a different function. The trial of water has but another name, she explained before looking at each of them in turn. The trial of cleansing, she finished. As she spoke, the pools that surrounded her began to glow with a light, as if the moon shone beneath each body of water. I assume that it isn't us just showing you that we can bathe are asked. Luna smiled as she eyed them all, still semi-reeking of fish guts and worm spit. It's a start, she admitted, before pointing to one of the pools. i prepared a special concoction that'll lure you into a special test. The test itself poses no threat, but I must warn you that it'll bring back many unpleasant traumas. If you feel your past pains are too great, then do not step into the pool, as there are four of you, Only two must pass, Luna said softly. After a moment, no one stood back, which surprised Hazar. He thought the silver member might refuse given the circumstances, but... Very well. I have prepared bath suites for the changing rooms. Everyone needs to wear undergarments. Uniforms are there for anyone with issues with their image, or would rather be respectful. Luna pointed to the two small shacks. Can we not just go naked? Khan asked, not seeing the point. Both Estelle and Silver turned to him with a glare. No, innocent children bee workers might pass by, Luna said affronted. Hazar also had an issue with that, but he still had his past lover's name inked across his, um... Well, nothing he'd want Estelle seeing. She'd mock him for weeks. Never thought that I'd get near naked in a dungeon, Khan announced as he took off his armor and shirt revealing a hairy torso and so many scars that they seemed layered one over the other. Hazar stared at the two marks on his shoulder, clipped wings, symbols of an old slave trade business that was torn down. Those marks were stamped onto the younger slaves, if Hazar remembered right, to remind them that they had no future. Hazar didn't exactly recall what happened to them. Just that the name of the owners were torn down as if some beast ripped them apart overnight, leaving only the slaves alive. If you recall, one of the slaves made a report to the kingdom, but what he saw had undone his mind. Tazar hoped to never meet the demon who did that. Mila turned to Rudy and slapped her daughter's hand. They aren't cooled yet, she barked, watching the meat puff pastries with an eagle eye. Rudy scowled, shaking her hand. I'm part demon. I can handle hot food," she said, as if Mila could forget who her father was. "It's manners," she retorted, and put them in the oven to cool. Mila was feeling oddly twitchy, and Rudy saw. "Spill your old handbag. What's making you tense?" she asked, as gently as Rudy ever did anything. Mila scowled but shrugged. "My old nose is acting up." Thought I smelled," she leaned out the window towards the forest in which the dungeon laid. It was a scent hours old, but lingered in the manor-rich air. Hot sand, ice-filled cacti, men riding dark horses, blood soaked in the dark sand, bringing more monsters. Mila remembered that smell well, but there were others. Then she smelled wrongness. A tacky perfume, worried sweat. For a moment, Mila's eyes flashed yellow. Outsiders! Pausing herself back, she inhaled, Memories of a time spent near the ruby dungeon in the sands always made her cranky. Ruli raised an eyebrow. Should we raise the alarm or should I hunt them? She asked, and the teasing between them had faded to hunter and warrior. Demon and beast. Daughter and mother. No. Outsiders are coming, but we must accept that. Check the inns for who it could be, Vila instructed sitting down and packing Rudy three of the meat pastries to go. And if they're not in the town, Rudy asked softly, invite them, escort them if need be. Even if we weren't endurance, rules and etiquette must be upheld, and I gave none permission to go tramping through Delta, she said darkly. At the idea that they might be stomping through Delta right now, Rudy's yellow eyes glowed before she exhaled through her nose. With pleasure, I'll give them the tour, personally. Rudy agreed, gone like a dark predator out the door. Mila turned to the window, inhaling once more. Wrongness and mental, she concluded, thinking over the one scent in particular. She knew that smell, but it eluded her. Mila didn't dig deeper into her memory. Things that she didn't remember anything about could possibly be lurking just below an innocent question or rumination. The wrong memory could undo many years of work, so Mina decided to make some more pastries. She still had so much damn direwolf meat to use. The soul is connected to many things. The heart, the points of energy within the body, the chaotic thoughts running through your ever so tender and fragile brain. Bruna said as she softly ran a strange tool around a large bowl, producing a hollow ringing noise that seemed to sink deeper in than a simple bonium. Estelle shifted in her pool. The suit she wore was made of some elastic rubber plant. It hugged her body, but she was pleased to see that it went all the way down to her legs and arms. Luna had even given her some nice shorts to wear over it, so nothing was revealed if she got out of the pool. There was little to be done about the upper areas, but they each had their own pool, so Estelle didn't protest. The spring so it was just the right amount of hot to be deep and therapeutic rather than uncomfortable. It was odd, since Estelle knew personally that she had a rather finicky, just-right temperature for barns and usually had to settle for near, but never perfect. She looked over a con who wore the tiniest of shorts he could, the Cretan. She was curious about his back wounds. Some of them looked like his skin had been torn by something with spikes repeatedly, but she refrained from asking. Khan had earned his secrets for now. Silver wore some sort of uh, bulky diving suit, but even then Estelle could see how his body was just wasn't right. Hazar wore baggy shorts, but she didn't exactly look hard at her cousin. He seemed embarrassed by something, though, so she checked for hilarious birthmarks or perhaps ugly tattoos. She didn't see anything, but nevertheless... However, deep within all mortals is a core... A point through which all your experience flows. The score becomes a seed which emanates trauma, hate, pain, and more. This challenge is not to defeat this pain, but lessen its grip upon you. Strength can be gained from this. Luna let the ball ring one final time before putting it aside. And a key, hopefully, Estelle muttered. Where is the drug added? I haven't seen the dancing moon children in some time, Khan called, making some drug reference that Stahl didn't get. Children of the moon? Khan was a fool. Oh, I added them before you all changed, Luna said conversationally. The Stull stopped enjoying the cute little pink petals floating on the water, her eyes widening. What? Hazar said flatly. The stull turned to glare at Luna but the frog woman was floating, or perhaps her platform. The mist seemed awfully thick, and the others seemed far away, as if they were drifting apart. The ludicrous thought until she remembered Rail. Oh, she remembered Rail, all right. She made to stand up, but when she gripped the side of the pool, her hands met coal marble instead. The uneven rock markings the pool edge was now a weird mix of elegant bathtub and rough stone. The mist drawing closer and closer. Damn it, I thought I'd see some colors or have a minor flashbacks. This is too intense, Estelle complained, standing up. Wow, I thought she was a boy from how awkward she is, that I was wrong, came a nasally snide voice from behind her. Estelle froze, every inch of her withdrawing into a cold steel sphere of, Don't look at me. Actually, she's a goblin. The voice finished and a dozen girls began to laugh around her. The bathhouse was now a large communal bathroom. A very familiar bathroom. Estelle turned to see Marby Hassanvain and a dozen or so followers wrapped in towels all crowding around Estelle's tub. Estelle couldn't be here. Estelle refused to be here. She threw her hand and was pitiful. Horribly small of smoke exited one finger. This elicited more laughter. Carbon little esti can't even use common little magic, Marby said with a mock sympathy before she flung out her own hand. A fireball ignited and flew towards Estelle, flying past and igniting a towel and spare clothes until they were only cinders, breaking away and leaving her with nothing to hide her body. Estelle sank back into the student bath. Dread, shame, loathing filled her. Hurry back, Estie! I heard the corridors are so cold at night, Harvey said, and they all erupted into shrieks of laughter again. Goblin Goblin Esty, they chanted as they walked off. Common, ugly Goblin Esty. Estelle wanted to shut them all out and racked a wall so thick that they couldn't touch her. Look at her. Burn her. But, she had right, there was a horrible, confusing moment of knowing she wasn't the scrawny, underved kid anymore. She was a proud woman who was neither common nor a goblin. She was being caught by a damn muscular frogmen who would break her walls any damn day. Marby, Estelle called and the girl turned. A smirk on her face which died when Estelle rose from the bathtub. A barrier so close to her skin it looked like a dress made of hexagonal panels that shifted. You grew up to be mediocre and boring, she declared and the girl's eyes turned back. At least I grew up. You're still here, Marby spat, her goons turning to the shadows. Yeah, if you're my deepest, darkest demon, I'm so ready to become a badass. Bye-bye, Marby. Bye, you were a second-rate bitch and a third-rate magician, Estelle announced, returning back to her full adult form and snapping her fingers, causing the illusion to explode outwards as Estelle summoned a barrier inside of them. Is that all? Estelle bragged, and a heavy hand landed on her shoulder. It was tight. Slightly cold, and she remembered exactly the feel of the gold rings digging into her skin. Estelle, stand straight, the man said, and Estelle was four, shaking like a leaf. Arthur, she greeted, a voice so fragile. Silver walked through the gleaming halls of polished metal. He didn't deserve the name, but the others called him Silver, so he would choose a name over 299 for now. He would just never call himself Silver, and there would be no issue or consequences. Floor 44 was his home, and it had been many years since the Great Silver One changed anything here, or uh, even visited. It was the nature of dungeons. They knew that, and honestly, they didn't feel boredom or loneliness, only passing curiosity of lower floors. In places, the Silver was wrong and replaced by simple human home of beds, kitchen tables, half-people, half silver statues. The illusion was impressive, but silver was part monster, it saw the manner, making it all up. Bidden stop him glaring with all his hate at the figure walking through the hall. blowing hair, her body not suited for combat or being in a dungeon, a gentle face with a soft beauty that was at odds with a sharp silver, soft and supple, and a basket full of flowers in her arms. Silver glared at the woman who doomed them all, the woman who his master had fallen in love with, the one who chose over them all. "Kyriel, I'll find you, and I will kill you, Silver whispered, and the woman paused before him, eyes black and smile kind. You're hunting ghosts, she said sadly. Then the dead yet wander, Silver replied. Beast, cease bothering her! Came an order and Silver recoiled as he was forced back away from Kyriel as a bright silver orb came closer. Its light opulent and all Silver ever wanted to see once more. How cruel of Delta. How kind of her. Master. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope...